In today's episode, Dave interviews Joey Dioria. Joey has been on How I Met Your Mother, both Tonight Shows with Jay Leno and Johnny Carson, and Late Night with David Letterman. Joey is best known for his 20-year run as Bozo on WGN's The Bozo Show. I'm Ian Foley, and this is ADD Comedy. So a lot of the podcasts that people have now, especially in our industry, is talking about what you what projects you have right now and what projects you see in the future and famous people that you've talked to hmm. and met and i don't really care about any of those things oh good <laughs> um because for me it's like it's all about the journey like what is the journey that brought us to this thing what is what is it that that we've done um we've done what is it that we, why is it that we're, we're still doing this? You know what I mean? Because there are a lot of people that you know and I know that we both know that aren't doing this anymore, you know? For whatever reason, they just said, I can't do it or this other interesting thing came about. But you and I, for the most part, are still doing it. Yes, yes but you're doing it much more successfully. <laughs> well, but you don't, but I'm doing what it is that I'm doing. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You're doing what you're doing. I'm doing what I'm doing. And what I'm doing, I what I'm doing, you can't do what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Or it's not that you can't do what I'm doing, but... You no, know. you were right. <laughs> well, it's not just that, Joey. It's, it's also this... When I say you, doing what I'm doing, there's a gestalt to this whole thing. Mm-hmm. And, and I have a philosophy about what I'm doing, and you have a philosophy of what you're doing. And that philosophy is the thing that drives us, right? Mm-hmm. So what I do is I don't go on auditions anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like them. Yeah. I don't like them either, but it's the only way to do what I do. I know. <laughs> so what's your philosophy about it? You know, like, well, you, it's, it's what you do. It's, it's, it's the bargain uh, that you've made to keep doing this. Right. But you, you must enjoy something about it. Sometimes, sometimes uh-huh. they go great. Right. Sometimes they go horrible. Mm. The horrible ones surprise me sometimes when, when they pan out. <laughs> right. So what does that say about it? It means that it's subjective. Right. Yeah. And so how do you, how did you come to the realization that it's subjective as opposed to the alternative, which is driving yourself crazy or killing somebody? Well, that was it. <laughs> it was, mm-hmm. I can either just say, well, it's subjective or I could just go out and be a mass murderer. Right. So, yeah. Right. Right. And the, do you have a, a circle of people out here that you... Because you've been out here for a while. I've been here for 10 years. That's all? Yeah. Oh, I thought you'd well, been out no, here for a well, while. Well, I was out here years and years That's ago. That's what I thought. I thought that you and I talked about that, about you being out here years and years ago. And then you went to Chicago. Right, in 84. In 84. And you worked in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And then you came back out here in 2004? 2001. 2001. Yeah. Um, so, uh, what's, oh, so do you, do you have a circle of friends that are like very successful that are out here, you know? I have a couple of friends, yes. Uh, mm-hmm. One fellow I know, uh, Jim Beaver. Right. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a fellow who I would say is very successful. Right, right. And uh, these people that you've worked with, what is, it that, what is it that drives them? When you look at somebody who says very successful, the people that I know that are very successful, they've always known that, they've always had that uh, confidence, they've always had that drive, they've always had that foundation, that basis, whether they did it themselves or their, or their upbringing. Did you do you see a common denominator with that? Yeah, well, I see a certain yeah commonality in that. Um, of course, I always thought I'd be very successful, right? And look how disappointed I am. <laughs> are, are you? I mean, are you really? I mean, I, I I don't. You know, for me, I feel like we've reached a point where I mean, you're not that much older than I am, and we reached a point. For me, I've reached a point where this is what I do. Yeah, and I really. I mean, there are days when I really, really enjoy it. There are. Um, I've I've come to. Uh, to realize that um, that I came back at a rather difficult time. Trying to start your career over at that time at fifty right. was uh, was kind of silly. Right, and silly. But you didn't have a choice. Exactly. I could not get anything in Chicago. I was too pigeonholed back there. Right, and it's a smaller market. Yeah. Well, that and the fact that the entire voiceover industry pretty much dried up out there. Right. So I came out here, and um, there's a, there was a wonderful fellow, Danny Goldman. Do you know Danny? Yes, of course. Great guy. Right. Uh, he directed me in a couple of plays back in the uh, the late 70s mm-hmm. at the Odyssey Theater. Uh, yeah. Out uh-huh. here. Right. 
And became, I'm sorry, he, Danny became a uh, casting, uh, right. casting director. Mm -hmm. Okay, keep going. So I, I went in to see Danny, mm -hmm. and um, he, uh, he made a recommendation and got me an agent, mm -hmm. which, you know, which was the first thing you had to get. Right. And uh, I had a wonderful agent. They called me in four and five times you know, a week to you know, read for commercials right. and, and animation. Mm -hmm. And they would record them there at the agency. Right. And the young ladies who were the agents would just go crazy for the stuff I did. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, what a great take on that. Oh my gosh, you're so funny. Mm -hmm. You know, but I never booked anything. Right. And after a year, they dropped me. Right. And when I was called into the main agent's office, she said, you are terrific. But nobody knows who you are. Oh my God! I, that same thing happened to me. Yeah. Where I was brought into the main, the person whose name was on the agency, and she said, um, "We think you're great." But this is what what she said. She said, "We think you're great, but nobody nobody's opening up the envelopes with your picture in it." Yeah. You know, and I mean, and this agent I had was a rather prestigious agent. Mm -hmm. Danny got me in. Uh, so for a while, I was without an agent. Mm -hmm. Then. A buddy of mine called me and said, you know, you, you did a lot of work in children's television. Right. And he says, they're looking for someone to write episodes for a children's show called Betsy's Kindergarten Adventures. Was that here? Yeah, here. Uh -huh. So uh, I went in, met with the people, and they were saying, now, we really need you to kind of come up with a lot of stuff. I mean, we've got eight other writers, and they're coming up with maybe one script a month. Mm -hmm. I was coming up with uh, three and four scripts a week. Mm -hmm. Wow. And, uh, What's your background in that? Like, well, how did you... My background was in that, but it was, but it was an educational show. Uh -huh. And even though my show was forced to be more educational towards the end, um, I had my wife was working at an elementary school. and I Out got, here? Yeah, out here. Uh, teaching music. So LAUSD? I, I'm sorry, I'm going to hmm? keep interrupting you. LAUSD? Um, no, it was a Catholic school. Catholic school, okay, great. Uh, in, in, in Pasadena. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I would go in and I would chat with the kindergarten teacher and find out what her curriculum was mm -hmm. and, and what are some of the things that they, they do as part of the kindergarten class. And I ended up with at least a dozen scripts just right off the top of that. Now, the funny part about this show was that it was very heavy with name talent. They had Fred Bosley, Fred Willard, um, Cree Williams, uh, 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 Nancy Cartwright, Sally Struthers. I mean, these were all very well-known names. That were doing, that were in front of the camera. Yeah. Right. But it was all animation. And Oh, I see. Not in front of the camera. It was yeah. animation. Yeah, it was Great. all animation. It uh -huh. was, and Fred Willard played the bus driver, and Tom Bosley played the principal. Two minor characters that they could have hired any schmo to do. Right. And any schmo that would have a lot more versatility so we could write other parts for them. Right. But Tom Bosley just did the principal, and Fred Willard just did the bus driver. And when I said, well, could they do different voices to, you know, and they went, uh, no. No, they, Tom Bosley just does Tom Bosley. Fred Willard just does Fred Willard. So I had to find ways to stretch out their characters. So, but, but, but Tom Bosley didn't say, I can only do Tom Bosley. No, no. The producers The producer, said, yes. Because they didn't want to pay them more? No, no, no. They would have been happy to have them do, because, because of their contract and because of what they were being paid, I guess, they could do other characters. But they didn't want Tom Bosley's voice being anything but Tom Bosley's voice. They were paying for Tom Bosley's voice. Even though he was playing... A school principal right. who's, who, when I was looking at the scripts, was, they're there now, children. Right. <laughs> you know, simple no as that. running in the halls. Right. And that was it. And it's like, could you do more stuff with him? Right. But the show, the uh -huh. show is about a kindergarten, you know, a little girl in kindergarten mm -hmm. and her kindergarten teacher. Right. And the teacher was Sally Struthers. Got it. So I, I tried to come up with bits of business, and I wrote gags for the, for the bus driver to mm -hmm. kind of elongate his part. Was this Union? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. So I started writing in other characters, like the, the, head, of the, um, the head of the planetarium, when the mm -hmm. kids went to the planetarium, with a German accent. Well, nobody does it. I do. <laughs> right, right. So I started writing in parts that they couldn't cast. Right, right. 
Right, right. <laughs> and as a result, I got an agent out of that mm-hmm. because all of this name talent was with a big agency in town. It's interesting to me the idea of taking care of yourself, <laughs> you know, like that idea of taking care of yourself. And I think out here, and you know, we're talking about what I do, and out here is what I what I did because I felt like I wasn't getting that work mm. was I was taking care of myself. Right. I was doing what it is that I was doing in order for me. And I think a lot of people, certainly out here, there's a drive that you need to have, mm-hmm. and the drive that you need to have is also based upon the confidence that you have to say, I I am going to make money by hook or by crook, and I'm going to do what it is that I do. Uh, because I, I, cause I'm not going to get a catering job. Right. No one would hire me to cater. <laughs> you don't know that. The way you're dressed like now, I, I think that people, plenty of people would hire to cater. Well, there you go. But, I, but it's a matter of taking care of yourself. Right. Right. So, I mean, so that's it. I've, I've had a very good voiceover agent. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm sort of finding myself. You had or have? I still do. Yes. But, you know, I'm, I'm still having that same situation where... I'm going into the agency and I'm knocking out these commercials right. and the, the engineers, auditions. You're yeah, the auditions, auditions. Uh-huh. and the engineers who work there are right. listening to the stuff going, oh my gosh, you are so funny. Right. Which to me, you know, suddenly is the kiss of death. It's right. like, oh dear. Right. Right. And so you walk out and you go, uh, uh, you, you let it go though. Yeah. You gotta let it go. Right. And I mean, I've got a few things. I mean, right. uh, I've done, uh, I've done a voice for the, uh, for the Tom and Jerry cartoon series yes. and uh, I did a, a film called um, Jungle Shuffle where I played the voice of an accountant uh-huh. you know things like that right. and um, some of these things are, are pretty good right. but it's it's not a steady kind of go because there are lots of people who do what I do in the right. voiceover business right. who've been doing it I mean uh, you turn on the TV and you watch the commercials and I'll see the same guy in five or, five or six different spots right He's known by the uh, the ad agencies. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it's a matter of you, but you you haven't given up. No, no, no. Of course not. You know what I mean? Like, so there's this drive that we have. We have to have it. Yes. Here's here's the thing, though. As a as a comedian, right? I love going to an audition and them saying, "Listen, you're a funny guy, not big, right? Uh, keep it small. Keep right. it, you know, in. Oh my God, right? You know, and so you do." And you don't get the commercial. And then you see that commercial about, you know, three or four months later, and the guy's practically swinging from a chandelier. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and there's no... To find logic in the whole thing is just an amazing waste of time. Yeah. To, to say that there's a pattern that, that involves something that you can wrap your head around, there isn't. No. But what's keeping me sane right now is doing theater. Right. Where, when we ran into each other over there at the, uh, uh, the, the Lillian. Lillian. Right. I'm, yeah, I'm doing uh, the Fantastics right. as part of the Fringe Festival. Right. Uh, I just come out of doing um, Mayor Shin in Music Man down at Musical Theater West. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are other auditions I've got coming up for other theater things. So theater really keeps me sane. That's what I discovered when I was, when I was out here and I was... Uh, I don't know, I was married and uh, I was out here maybe five or six years and I was working a lot and then suddenly everything dried up and I found myself desperate and going to auditions and walking away feeling desperate and feeling frustrated and then someone told me about a play called Master and Margarita. Uh, The Master and Margarita, my friend Michael Franco told me about it, that he had written an adaptation of the Michael Bulgakov novel and he said, would you audition for it? I thought, all right, I'll audition for it. Well, I got this awesome part and this show ran from, uh, I want to say it ran from March to October. It ran four days a week. Um, It moved from three to three two different venues um, and we were sold out we were sold out all the time and what I remember thinking was right I'm not a struggler I'm an actor that's what I'm doing exactly I'm not here to to fret over me not getting a line you know a, a five or under five lines or under of somebody saying here are your bags Mr. Reynolds yeah. it does you know for me there's the satisfaction is in doing those plays sure uh, all right, funny story about under fives. Back in 1984, I did The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. Mm-hmm. Great. Now, back in those days, 
being on The Tonight Show meant your career was about to take off. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I did my, my, my shtick. On you the, did stand-up. I did stand-up. Uh-huh. I, had an, I had an act called Dr. Flamo. Mm-hmm. I had a board with eight candles, little tiny ones, big fat ones. I'd hold my hand over a different size candle and scream at a different pitch depending Got it. on the size candle. Uh-huh. Nice bet. Did it on The Tonight Show. Broke up Carson. I mean, it was really good. Uh-huh. Uh, Jim McCulley, his casting director, hired me to open for George Carlin in a comedy festival in, in, in San Diego. Uh-huh. And you hung out with Carlin? or Yeah, actually. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, there's a long story about that, but uh, I had waited on Carlin. He remembered me as his waiter. Where? At the Variety Arts Center uh, in downtown L.A. It was a private club for vaudevillians started by Milt Larson of the Magic Castle. <sighs> and Carlin remembered me and said, where do they got you? And I said, well, there's this little holding cell with a key. He says, no. He had me come up and sit in the star's dressing room with him. And there were cold cuts and soft drinks. Sweet. And, yeah. He, and he was the nicest. I guy have heard him. that. Yeah. I've heard that. And how was his, how, when you watched him, what did you get out of watching him? Just, just watching him prepare. He had a few cards he looked at. Mm-hmm. And then he went out there and just blew them away. He, how, what do you think was, what do you think, how did you think he blew him away? How was he able to blow him away? He, he, he blew them away because of the intensity. Uh-huh. I think it, it was his intensity that just went through you. Was this during the time of the seven dirty words or was it? Oh, the, well, was it way was, past that? No, yeah, this is 84. 84, was, got, it. Got, he it. Was, got it. He was, he was, he was the angry yeah. Carlin in those days. Got it, right. But, um, right. Did you listen to his records at all? Oh, growing yeah. Up? Growing up, sure. Yeah. Yeah. The hippy dippy weatherman, right? the things that he used to do on Ed Sullivan. And, yep. Yeah. He, I mean, there's another guy, great example of somebody that just kept evolving. Yeah. Yeah, you got to. We're all like sharks. Right. You swim forward or you die. But there's a lot of people who stop or there's a lot of people who who feel like and and I don't get that from you, Joe, the idea of woe is me, um, you know, that sort of thing, because we know a lot of people who say, I just can't ever get any more work. I just won't be able to get more work. And if you keep saying that, you know what's going to happen? You'll believe it. (laughs) Well, you'll believe it. I mean, you already believe it enough to say it, but people are going to start to hear it. Mm. Keep that shit inside your mouth. Yeah. You know what I mean? And here's another thing. What if you start pretending that you're going to work? Yeah. <laughs> That's an interesting thought. Yeah. Well, it's just that the last three months have been pretty bleak. And mm-hmm. uh, I was so glad that uh, my friend Janet Miller called me and, and asked me to be in, in Fantastics. Right. So. Right. This is a case where I didn't have to audition. She called me. But the thing is that we last long enough. We're out here enough. People know our stuff enough. We keep getting out there and people are going to keep calling us up. Right. At least they have. Mm -hmm. We're able to pay the rent. Yes. Yes. Well, fortunately, I'm able to pay my rent because... Because I, I have a pension from AFTRA. Uh-huh. That's been helping. So you're retired? Oh, yeah. Well, no. I just grabbed the pension. You grabbed the pension? <laughs> yeah. I grabbed it early just so I wouldn't have to take a waiter's job again. Got it. Got it. But you know what? That All that pays off exactly. in order for you to have that. Exactly. So it keeps me, keeps me relatively safe. Oh, but getting back to under fives. Mm-hmm. When I did The Tonight Show, the next day I get a call from a personal manager. Mm-hmm. This woman had been a casting director at Warner Brothers. She had cast me on a few under fives back in those days. Mm-hmm. So she had my name, my name and number under file. She called me at home. I went to her office. She signed me up. And I went, this is it. My career is taking off. How old were you? I was 26. Look at that, yeah. right? That was pretty cool. Right? At 26. Totally understand. And I was really excited. Mm-hmm. And she spent the next year turning work down. Oh, boy. Mr. Dioria doesn't do under fives. I said, yes, he does. No. Right. Trust me. Right. And she said, who's your agent? I gave her my agent's name at the time. She said, well, they're nobody. Dump them. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I dumped her. And you dumped her. No, no, I dumped the my agent. Got it. And I kept figuring, all right, she's, she must know what she's doing. She's right. a personal manager. Right. And after a year, she said, you just can't get work in this. Wow, day. wow, wow, right. right and right, right, she right, said, right. listen, they're holding auditions for Bozo the Clown at KTLA. I can get you in on that if you like. Mm-hmm. To which I informed her to do something that is anatomically impossible. 
At KTLA, um, they were having it at KTLA. Oh yeah! Mm. After they they went through everybody in Chicago, that's right. They came out here. KTLA was owned by Tribune Company. Right. Right. Which owned the WGN. They were owned WGN, and I went no. World's greatest newspaper. And then first off, I said no one because I wanted to say no to her, and two because it's like oh my gosh, this is a clown. Right. I don't do clowning. Right. Isn't that interesting? I know people who are mimes, jugglers, Venice Beach street entry, and I know a lot of guys who are ex-ringling clowns. Right. I figured, pff, they're going to find what they want. Right. Why waste my time? And Why waste my time? That is you saying, why should I waste my time? Exactly. Not you saying, why would I waste their time? Okay. Mm. Right. And I was going to an audition, and I drove by KTLA, and I saw a line that stretched for three blocks. So I was glad I, I wasn't part of that. About three months later, my wife is reading an article in which Al Hall, the producer of the show, said, you know... The producer the, of Bozo? The producer of Bozo, oh. who said, all we have received are clowns and jugglers, guys that don't talk. Right. I need somebody who knows old vaudeville and burlesque comedy right. who's under 60. You know what's so interesting about that is it's such a... What, they're, what they were essentially asking for was a Chicago... Uh, a, a Chicago personality, mm -hmm. not an LA personality. Exactly, because there is something very, and I, you know, you can you can uh, call me metrocentric, but there's something. There is a philosophy, and there's a spirit that is a Chicago actor spirit. Al Hall used to say that the Bozo Show was Chicago television. Absolutely. Which meant it flew by the seat of its pants. Mm -hmm. It was improv. Right. We had scenarios that were barely a page long. Right. And you, you just did it off the cuff. Right. And nobody could do that. No. And for some reason, I could. Nobody could do that. I th I don't know that that would be true now, but mm -hmm. certainly it was true back it was, then. Uh, yeah. Because right now there's so much more improv happening. There's so many more people who are really opening up. Because at that time you were also, you know, your agent was your man, your personal manager was responsible for pigeonholing you. Yeah. But you were also responsible for pigeonholing yourself as yeah. well, right? Yeah, pretty much. Because, but I mean, but I knew I was a comedian. Right. I knew what I could do. I mean, I went to an audition. My my nothing agent back out here mm -hmm. got me in to see a, the woman who was the head of casting for ABC. Wait, I'm sorry, your nothing agent? Yes, my nothing right. agent. Right, right, okay. <laughs> managed to get me in to see this woman who was the head of ABC casting. Mm -hmm. And I went up there and I met with her assistant. Uh -huh. And it was a sitcom about right. a family of construction workers. Mm -hmm. And it was the role of the youngest son who wants to be a stand-up comedian. Uh -huh. I read the thing. I had this woman on the floor laughing her ass off. She mm -hmm. was she was just, um, can we say this on a podcast? Oh, I okay. say fuck all the time. Oh, good. So it's like, I'm surprised. I have gone, I want to tell you, I have gone 22 minutes and people are going to go, what happened? Because I usually, within the first five seconds, I swear. So I'm like, all right, you broke the ice. But okay. I, I usually swear. Okay. Um, but anyway, she was yeah. laughing her ass off. And she said, uh, she's, uh, my boss has got to see you. Mm -hmm. Never heard from them. Right. Six months later, what they used to do out here was that the big casting directors would have seminars. Okay. Which during the off season was how they made more money. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah, yeah. It was the equivalent of uh, baseball players when we were growing up in the off season selling insurance. Exactly. Right. So I, uh, I said I got to go to this. So I, I took the money. I went there, and as I'm signing up, there was the assistant taking the money, and she went, and she was digging through her papers. She finds the same script. Right. She thrusts it in my hand and said, "She's going to call for a volunteer. I want you to read this." Uh huh. I said okay. Uh-huh. So the agent gets up there and pretty much insults everyone in the room. You're too fat. You're too thin. Get your skin fixed. The casting, the yeah, casting the director. The casting director. Yeah. She's just, you know, going through everybody. And she says, all right, who wants to read? Mm -hmm. And they're all just, I raised my hand. Right. And mostly because I had the scene still memorized. Great. And I went up there and I did it. Broke her up. Mm -hmm. She said, oh, my God, where the hell were you when I was casting this piece of oh shit? Oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, right? And her assistant jumps up and says, that's the boy I wanted you to see. No! Yes. And she went, why didn't I see him? You said his agent was nobody. And she yes. said, hmm. She said, well, she says, pilot season's coming up. I will call you in and we will get you a decent agent. You are a funny kid. Uh-huh. So I went home. 
And I'm telling my wife, ah, you didn't want me to spend 130 bucks on this. Back then. Ha ha ha. Right. And this, this is it. Come pilot season, this woman's calling. She's the head of casting of ABC. Right. And we're having breakfast the next morning. And she said, um, head of casting for uh, ABC? I said, yeah. She had a heart attack last night and died. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I quickly oh. called ABC, hoping to find the assistant, thinking maybe she'd get promoted, maybe oh. she'd go on. Never found the woman, couldn't find her name. It's that idea of, you know, when you're out here, expectations. I think one of the first things that people should tell people coming to, to L.A. is there's this word called expectations. Mm. You need to be very careful when you use it or when you own it or when you believe it or when you hear it. Yeah. Because it it does not serve you. No, no. But if I mean, if it, that was that was just, I can laugh about it now. Right. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's, there's just so many, uh, there's so many instances that I think so many of us can go in with, with coming out here thinking, I'm going to be that, or I'm going to be that, or I'm going to be that. And you're, and you end up being none of those things. No, that's true. And that's not to say to be cynical about it, but the, but really, when when can we when can we start teaching people what an expectation is, and when can we start teaching people things like what you when you're young, instead of saying what do you want to be when you grow up, we should tell we should just invite them to say there's this thing called expectations. Whatever you think it is that you're going to be when you grow up, you may be that, or you may be something else. Mm -hmm. Leave yourself open for those other things, and there are going to be people like your agent and your manager and that casting director who are going to 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 presume things about. About you that isn't true mm -hmm. yeah the the trick the trick is to the trick out here really is to find a way to present you right in such a way that that if they need that guy that's who you go to right or it's also I think a lot of people for me I feel like who are you and what mm -hmm. I mean by who are you is like what's your voice What's your voice? What's your philosophy? What's your what's the energy that's around you? You know, I become this energy guy. What's the energy that's around you that that when you walk into a room, what do people feel? Yeah. And what I teach in improvisation is I teach what's your presence? What is the presence that you have? Now you may just you know I'm not looking for you to write it down, mm. but I want you to be aware that when you walk in a room, you're walking into a room. Yeah. And that's not to say when you're walking in a room, hold your head up high <laughs> and always oh, it's, uh, that's it's just like walk in a room and be present and take the room in. Exactly. Exactly. And sometimes sometimes when you when you get that copy in your hand, you see it. Right. You know, but it's like sometimes you get the copy. And it's like, well, no, but I can do this. I mean, I'm an actor. I played the pompous 1890s mayor of a small town. Uh -huh. You know, right. now I'm playing this demented Shakespearean. Right. You know, these are totally different characters. Right. They're completely different from me, and yet they are me. Absolutely. You know? and, and part of it being are you, if you will, is the fact that you look at it and you go, I'm going to make this work. This yeah. is going to work. This is not not going to work. Mm. And how many – oh, man, I've been just thinking about this so much lately. The idea of somebody saying having a, fall, a job to fall back on or the idea of plan B. And I feel like why are you wasting any of your time with stupid plan B? Because plan B is not – it's called plan B for a reason. Yeah. And if you think that there's a plan B, you're not focusing your energy on plan A. Exactly, which is pretty much how I've lived my life. The plan A. Yeah. Or I there's have a plan. No plan B. Right. Or how about this? There's no plan. Mm -hmm. And when I say there's no plan, I don't mean that you're just wandering the streets hoping that a dollar is going to fall into your palm. But there's no the, the idea of the plan is to keep doing what it is that I am doing, whatever that is that I am doing at the moment that right. I'm doing it. Well, I mean, let's face it, the lowest part of my career was I had no agent, casting director. I was poison in the name of every casting director in town. Mm -hmm. And when Bozo fell in my lap, right. I turned to my wife and said, how would you feel about moving to Chicago? Was it moving to Chicago or back to Chicago? To Chicago. I'm, oh, I'm originally from New York. That's what I thought. Yeah. Right. I'm from New York. And uh, I went from New York. Uh, to Ohio, I pretty much closed I dinner theaters. 
Got it. You know? Got it. You got it. <laughs> One you step ahead of the innocent. sheriff. Honest to God. <laughs> oh my God. So the idea of uh, the idea of having no plan, and also the idea of of you rejecting wholehearted, like uh, wholesale rejecting Bozo at KTLA mm -hmm. and watching that, th looking at that three block long line of, of all those losers in line. <laughs> and when I say losers, what I mean is they didn't win, well, you yeah. won. So it's like that line of losers. And, and then for you to go, you know what? I'm, it's not you swallowing your pride. It's you recognizing that the universe is telling you something. Well, I, I recognize that when my wife read the article and basically it's like, when she read the article about the obituary? No, the, she read the article about uh, Al Hall saying that they couldn't find what they wanted Got it. because nobody knew burlesque comedy. Got it. Going back to that. Yeah. Okay. So, so I went, all right. And I sent them, believe it or not, what I sent WGN was my appearance on The Tonight Show. Uh-huh. And that got me my audition. Got it. When you were telling me your, uh, your routine, I was thinking, that's so burlesque. That oh, is yeah. just so burlesque. Yeah. Now, I came up with that. I was taking an improv class out here uh, before I got married. Who was it? Uh, Dee Marcus. Does that name mean anything no. to you? Yeah. She, uh, but she had a, an improv class uh, off on Fairfax back mm -hmm. then in the late 80s. Uh, and I was take, taking her class. Robin Williams came in one night. Got it. So, I mean, you know. And this is before Mork and Mindy. So, mm -hmm. I mean, there were he a lot was of a stand -up. people. Was he a stand-up before that? Was he a stand-up? Yeah, I think so. A lot of, uh -huh. you know, yeah. a lot of that stuff. But uh, she comes in one day and says, they are so desperate for acts for the gong show. They are paying after a minimum. And I went, wow. So I just came up with one stupid act after another. They'd boo me off the stage. I'd go home and collect 150 bucks, which was after minimum. Right. And that was my rent in those days. Right, right. And then one day I came up with Dr. Flamo, and lo and behold, I won. You won the gong show. I won the gong show. You won the gong show. You won the gong show. You won the gong I'm sorry, i got to wrap my head around that. You won the gong show. I have an honest-to-God gong show trophy. The first prize was 1000 bucks. Uh-huh. But if you wanted the trophy, it was 850 uh Yeah, they took out for the price of the trophy. Of course they did. <laughs> Chuck Barris. Ooh. What a bastard. <laughs> Bastard Chuck Barrett. And at first I said no, and then I went, well, wait a minute, I'm still going to get 150 bucks from AFTRA. Right. Oh, right. right. So I went, what the hell? It just balanced it out. It balanced it Where, out. Where's the gong show trophy now? It's in my office between my five Emmys. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> what did you win the Emmys for? Uh, for the Bozo Show. For the Bozo Show. Uh, well, I should I should qualify that they are Midwest Emmys. Got it. Yes, which but they're still Emmys, right? Yeah, yeah. Are they called Emmys? Yes, they are called Emmys. And they look like an Emmy. And they look just like an Emmy. That's but fine. Small. Right. But out here, it's like saying I had the lead in my high school play. Well, but here, <laughs> if if you say you won an Emmy, you've got to say that you won an Emmy. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You can't say I won an Emmy let. Yeah. You know, you go, you won an Emmy. No, you. it is pronounced a Midwest Emmy. That's what it is. Yeah. You won a Midwest Emmy, but nobody ever says that. No. Never. I know. But, uh, you know, and it's it's not quite as bad as a daytime Emmy. I don't know. Well, a daytime Emmy. I know people that won daytime Emmys, and, and, and they're really, really proud of that. Of course. You know, you won an Emmy. Yeah. You know, and you won five Emmys. And... Uh, 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 and the Bozo Show. Did Bob Bell win Emmys? Oh, yes. He also received... Uh, Bob Bell was the predecessor. Right. Was, was Bozo was before your, bro your well, Bozo. Pretty much inspired Krusty the Clown. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You could see it. Well, it was so funny because I never saw the show. You never saw the Bozo Show? No. I had some friends... Wait, I'm sorry. Was it called... It was called the Bozo... Back then it, it was the Bozo, Bozo show. show. As opposed to Bozo Circus. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was still Bozo Circus, I guess, when he when he left. And then it, it became the Bozo Show his last couple of years, and that's how Because I, they reduced it down because yeah. Bob Trendler wasn't there anymore? No, they... They lost the big time, the big top band. Well, when when Bob Trendler's day, they had a 14-piece orchestra. I know, I know. By the time I got there, it was uh, three elderly man, men, an accordion player, a trumpet player, and a drummer. What was the name of the guy on the keyboard? Uh, Don Orlando. There's another guy, a younger guy. I met Andy Matran. Andy. Andy. Andy, Andy. Matran came in during my reign. Got it. So Andy was a friend. Andy was my ex-brother-in-law's dear, dear friend. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my yeah, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my God. That's, that's, that's hilarious. Um, so anyway. Yeah, I'm uh, going out to Chicago. And we're going to 
We're going to get together. So I'm looking forward to seeing Andy. Uh, it's my friend Bill Martin. He's he's just a great guy. He's just a great guy, and I I, I miss him. Uh, when you when you get divorced, um, you can't keep. It's very hard to keep any of your your in laws oh. that you want to keep. Ah, uh. I like to keep that one. I'll keep that one. Um, but Bill knew Bill knew Andy. I think I met Andy at Bill's place. So if you remember, Bill Martin. Um, so you are going back to Chicago? Is that what you're Yeah, I'm going, we're going back in August. For what? Um, <laughs> to babysit. My, uh-huh. my son and daughter-in-law are flying my wife and me out to watch the grandchildren while they party with all their friends. Got it. So. <laughs> Got it. And, and so you're, you, you and your wife had children in Chicago. Uh, Brendan is my stepson. Uh, he came with the marriage. Got it. Uh-huh. And uh, Brendan is uh, our only child. Got it. And... Uh, Brendan and I have a wonderful relationship. That's awesome. Uh, he's a great kid. Uh, he works for Google. There's a Google in Chicago? No, no. He, he, he's, up, he's up north. But they're flying to Chicago for the summer. And I see. And we're coming too. Got it. Got it, 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 got it. Did you miss Chicago? Yes. Yes, it's a wonderful town. A great town. Did you do theater in Chicago at all? I was in Laughter on the 23rd Floor with, with Rose Abdu. Rose, and was and, Scott Lowell. And Scott Lowell, right. yes. Right. So you did the show at, it wasn't Briar. Uh, Briar Street. It was Briar Street. Yeah. It was Briar Street. Boy, there's some great, you know, again, that keep, you keep going back to theater. Yeah. I keep looking at that and saying, because I do live theater all the time, improvising. I did a show yesterday, so it's an hour show of, you know, it's an hour show, a half an hour show of just carrying me, my, my improv partner, just riffing and doing scenes like that. And it's what keeps me alive and keeps reminding me that, that this is what I do. Sure. Yeah. No, uh, definitely need that. Right. We are adrenaline junkies. <laughs> I think that that's it, though. I really believe that That if you look at, like, what else is there that we're getting out of that, it is the adrenaline of saying, yeah. we're doing a show. I'm doing a, a play. I'm really excited about it. I get to play with this person who I will most likely not be friends with when this is over. Not because I don't like them, but that's just kind of the, the reality. You of, pass in and out. Yeah, right. We're like ships in the night. Yeah, pretty much. I mean... You and I worked together in some a couple of Dawn's films. Yeah, and yeah. and I look at Dawn, who I'm going to have in here, and I look at Dawn, and I feel like there's a woman who I've been in. I don't know seven or eight of her the shows that the movies that she's done, the shorts that she's done. To, again, we're going back to taking taking care of yourself, doing what it is mm-hmm. that you have to do because you can't do anything else. And she has. She has done that. Yeah. She's written them. She's she's edited them. She's you know DP'd them in a certain way. She's done producing on them. She's done all the promotion of it all. She promotes all these shorts to go to Dubai and to both Kenya and Italy, Italy and, and Poland. Yeah, yeah right. I, I'm amazed when I read her her little uh, right her innocuous forty one or whatever that yeah. is right. And she she and and. When I hear people saying, yeah, I heard, I was having a discussion with somebody not too long ago in that chair. Um, the, I, someone says, yeah, you know what, I'm 50. This woman says, I'm 50, and I, or 45, whatever the hell it was, and I can't get any work. And I want to go, shut up. Mm-hmm. Shut up. Right now, we live at a time where if you want to get work, you, you might not be making money at the beginning of it, but if you're really focused and want to do work, what say you put your own fucking thing together? Exactly. Exactly. I don't, I don't want to grab people by it sometimes and go and say, get out of this, get out of this thing that you put yourself into. Because mm-hmm. what's happening is people around you are starting to buy into it. Right? Yeah. Uh. I won't buy into it. I'm not going to buy into it. And maybe, you know, I, and I, you know, looking at it right now, I, what somebody asked me yesterday, what, what more do you, what do you want? And I thought, I didn't have an answer. Hmm. I didn't have an answer. And it wasn't like, because there's so many things. Because I think about, I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm doing what I love to do. Yes. Is your wife doing what she loves to do? Yes. Yes. She, she's, uh, she's teaching voice. and piano. She taught voice uh, when we lived in Wilmette. Right. And, um, and uh, she's, she's pretty much been 
pretty steady as a voice teacher. Right. Now, when I met her, she was a singer. We we met at an Italian restaurant in in uh, in uh, Denver called uh, Mario's. Of course, that's how many Mario's are there in the world? Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, she would do opera, and I did novelty songs. Oh man! Yeah. So she's an opera. She's trained yeah. opera. Oh yeah, coloratura soprano. Lovely. <laughs> That's really good. I dated an opera singer not too long ago, ah. and boy, those there's another occupation where you go. Really, you're going to be an opera singer? How's that? How's that? Did you go see opera when you were in Chicago? Oh yeah. We, it was great having a steady job. We had right. season tickets. <laughs> did you, and these season tickets. So, so did you, when you were Bozo, did you get, did you get like, nobody ever went, oh, Joey, come right this way. No, no. Uh, one day, Andy Matran and I went to Bob Chin's Crab House for dinner. Right. Two hour wait. Uh-huh. We're finally moving up in that line. Wow, waiting. you waited two hours? You bet. We were in the mood for crab legs. Right. Just as they were about to get us, in comes Bob Collins and his entourage. Got it. Oh, yes, right this way. Ooh. <laughs> and it's like, nobody knows who I am. Exactly. And exactly. Which, which it, was a, it was a curse and a blessing. Right. Yeah. How long are you, Bozo? Uh, 17 years. 17 years. 17 years. Yeah. <laughs> the, the line between me and Bozo uh, slowly got erased. And we were in a restaurant one day, and my wife said something funny, and I laughed. And my wife said, three kids just stood up on their chairs looking around. (laughs) (laughs) What's a bozo laugh? What is a bozo? (laughs) Right. And it was right there. Did you have to, did did Bob Bell hang with you? No, no, no. Funniest, my my, my Bob Bell story was that when I got there, Bob Bell, he and his family, he and his wife had already moved to San Diego. Right. And I'd been doing the show for three months, and did you get? Did you you watch videotape? I saw I saw a few videotapes because the show was still in reruns when I when I got to Chicago uh-huh. and was getting ready for the for the season. I'm sorry, I'm going to ask you another question. It, was it was it daily then? Yeah, it was a daily. A de- well, when I when I started the show, we worked three days a week doing two shows a day. Uh huh. A half hour. Uh, an hour and a half. An hour and a half. Yeah. What time was the show's on? Because when I was a kid, it was at noon. Um, it was on at eight o'clock in the morning. Right. Which then, is when Ray Rayner used to be on. Right. But then, after a couple of years, someone said, "Do you realize what a valuable piece of real estate eight o'clock to nine o'clock is?" Right. Right. Drive so they time. they moved us to Sunday, and put in a morning news show. Right. You know. And um, that really cut a, a lot of your work. It did. It did. But I lucked out. I got laughter on the 23rd floor. They said, no, you can't do it. You can't do it. I'm sorry, but we're bringing in some new cast people. We need you to train them. If it was three months from now, I'd say yes. Right. Well, the actor who they brought in from New York got a series. And he went out, and they came back and said, didn't your boss say three months? I said, why, yes, he did. And I went into his office and said, good news. Right. And, right. He, could, and he couldn't take it back. So I took it. I got great reviews. Right. And, I mean, how can you when you're working? I mean, how can you not get good reviews when you're working with people right. like Scott and Rose Abdu? Right. Rose Abdu is a genius. She is glorious. And she's... Ah. She is one of my favorite people on the mm. planet, and she has had some health crises. Yes, and yes. She has come out of it, and we have a circle of friends. Uh, we have a circle of friends that just support each other so fully and wholly. And when she was, we, we I would look at her, and she she would come to dinner parties, and she couldn't she couldn't eat anything. Yeah. And people would wait on her hand and foot, not because she was asking for it, but because we love her so much. Yeah. I only worked with her once, and I, and I always wished I could work with her again. Right. She, she is just a delight. Right. Right. So the idea of getting an equity salary in yeah. that, too, and was it eight shows a week? Uh, doing the, uh, it wasn't that many. Uh-huh. I think it was maybe it was like maybe seven because we're dark on Monday, right? And we didn't do we did we did a matinees, but we didn't do a matinee and an evening. Got it. The, yeah, right, right, right. Like a Sunday matinee. That's yeah. all you did. It was a Broadway yeah. contract. Exactly, uh-huh. and it was great. But it it came around the time that my contract was up for renewal. Right. And they were all ready to just cut my throat. 
Right. And it was like, well, you know what? Maybe I'll go back to doing theater again. Right. And that was how I worked out a contract with them where I wrote the shows. You wrote the Bozo shows? I then wrote the Bozo shows. Mostly, uh-huh. they were getting scripts from outside sources. Really? Yeah. Was Don... Was Don, like, yeah, Don, Don. was working then, too. Don was doing stuff then. Right. Uh, now, there you go again with the idea of mm-hmm. you're going to... what Looking at it and saying, how can I make more money? Right. Because really, it's a, for me, I feel like it's about money. Yeah. Yeah, it and is. And you want to say it's about art. Yeah, you're right, too. But really... And and when I when I want when I see people working beneath their not beneath their station, but when I see people working for nothing, mm. I want again. I want to go come here and slap them. What you what the fuck are you doing? What the fuck are you doing? Yeah, but I mean, how many of us worked as waiters? I understand you know? that, but just because you work as waiters doesn't mean that when you do a show, you're going to fucking do it for free. Right, right. Because that's not what I'm here for. Oh, I know. And you know what producers are doing? Making money. Yeah. Off of who? Off of you. And I love that when I do an improv show, and I did it the other night, um, the, the host gets paid, the stage manager gets paid, the bartender gets paid, the piano player gets Exactly. The piano player gets piano paid. The piano player always gets paid. Always gets paid. And God, and they should. But yeah. so should the actors on stage who all those people are coming to, to be with. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I know. I know. I mean, Equity Waiver Theater. Right. When, when I was first out here. You're not getting paid for. Uh, oh, actually, yes. You are. Oh, Lovely. yeah. We, we, okay. we get a waiver salary. Great. It's a, it, we got a nice little stipend last week, which covered rehearsals in the play. Great. Not a lot of money. Right. But it's 99, it's under 99 yeah, seat. Exactly. And, right? And yeah. the tickets are, what, $15? 20 bucks, yeah. 20 15 bucks. to 20 uh-huh. bucks, yeah. Right. But. But I mean, you know, that's it. I, I did one show where they gave us the paychecks and, and one actor went, wait a minute, wait a minute, hold it. This comes out to $8 a night. And they said, well, yes, that's because this is an 80-seat theater. A what? An 80-seat theater. It was a smaller theater than 99. Uh-huh. <gasps> and he said, but I was giving you my $10 performance. Yay! That's really good. That's really good. That's really good. Right? And uh, uh, oh, well, that brings me back to people saying, you know, I I could have done more. It's like, how can you have done less? Mm. What we do is what we do. I don't Mm. go out and go, I'm going to, you know, I don't know. The idea of I could have done better or whatever that is, people have regrets about something that they've done. It's like, doesn't make any sense. Now, now I I understand. I, I think that if more people, asked for money, more people would get money. Do you understand what I mean? Hmm. If more actors said, you know what, I'd like to get paid. Yeah. Because again, the producers are getting paid, Joey. Those people are getting paid. But those producers know this one interesting uh, secret, and that is, you want money? Never mind, I can get this guy. He'll do it for you. Exactly. And here's another thing that they know. You'll work for free. Yeah. Yeah. Because there are some actors that are going, you know what, I'm a starving artist. And they go, oh, really? Mm. Well, I know. Or, you know, I shouldn't be making money. Well, I have the perfect thing for you to do. <laughs> I want you to work for nothing because you've already said you're going to do that. Yeah. But, I mean, when I was out here, actors would do theater only because they figured it would be a way to get casting directors right. from TV to see them. Right. And if the show got bad reviews, or if it didn't get great reviews, bam, they were out. Right. I mean, I was amazed. I was in one show, half the cast bailed when the reviews came out because they weren't great. I also think that the shows that people were doing when I came out here in 94 were shows that were all showcase shows. Yeah. So they were shows like 12 Angry Men where you got each person had a monologue and you were able to see that. And they're like, how many... How many 12 angry men can you see? Um, but nowadays, people are doing shows to do shows. Yeah. Theater's better here in L.A. than it, than it has been. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. It's, and it, which is ironic because you feel like, oh, this is the entertainment capital of the world, which really is. But that doesn't mean that, I mean, the shows that people do in New York, the shows that people do in Chicago, Chicago was just, you were in Chicago at the time that shit was blooming, too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, <laughs> In between doing Bozo, I was doing voiceover work. Mm-hmm. And I would be cast two and three jobs a week. 
you know? Right. I mean, I literally had the actor's nightmare of two producers wanted me at the same time and I had to turn one job down. I wouldn't say that's the actor's nightmare. <laughs> I would say, uh, when, you, when I think of actor's nightmare, I think of like, oh, I don't know my lines. Um, oh, yeah. But in that way, I also feel like, I know, I know what that is because Chicago yep. used to be that way. Yeah, but all, all I think all places were that way. If you had a beer commercial and a cereal commercial, well, you know Joby Cerny. Oh, Joby, yes, old friend. Right. So Joby was the Pillsbury Doughman. Yes, Doughboy, Doughman, Pillsbury Doughboy. He grew up. He's too old to be a Doughboy. Right. Right. <laughs> but he was a Pillsbury Doughboy. Yes. And he, I mean, but he was another guy. How much work did Joby get people? I don't know. Did yep. Joby get you work? Oh, yeah. Joby gave me work all the time. Yeah. Because he ran, and there's another, he fucking started producing his own thing. Yes. He had a beautiful studio yep. in whatever became River West or whatever the fuck you want to call it now, River North. He had a beautiful studio over there. Cerny American. Great yes, place. exactly. Yeah. And what a nice man. Yes. But you know what? Every now and then, they'd screw him. Right. They'd screw with him. It's like, uh, well, I've done the, the Pillsbury Doughboy. I'd like a raise. Well, we're holding auditions. Right. Well, you know, they were doing that with um, with Homer Simpson. Yeah. With that whole cast. Really? Yeah. They had a bunch of people in the back. Well, you know, nowadays, who doesn't do that voice? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. But it's great to work, man. Sure it's it is. It's great to work. Unbelievable stuff. I mean, and yes, I'm excited to be doing theater. In fact, I'm, I'm a lot happier doing theater again because I've missed it. Right. Uh, I it had been a long time since I'd done theater when I stepped on stage to do laughter on the twenty third floor, <laughs> and early in my career, I pretty much made a living doing everything by Neil Simon in right. dinner theater. Did you meet Neil Simon when you were doing the show? As a matter of fact, I did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, that was that was kind of neat. I would imagine it had been really neat. Yeah, it was it was terrific stuff, and um, again, I'd love to I'd love to go back to Chicago and do theater. Mm -hmm. You know, but, you know, it's that bozo stigma. A lot of people won't take me seriously. <gasps> That's hilarious. Yeah. That's ironic. I know. All right, let's stop there. Mm -hmm. I love it. That was really good. Today's episode was sponsored by Italian-based blues band Veronica and the Red Wine Serenaders, winner of the 2013 European Blues Challenge. For more information on their new album, The Mexican Dress, you can go to their website at www.redwineserenaders.it. And now the summer is going away, like your daddy is going for good. I never felt so dark gone down, I wanna is my word and mine. I have a simple cue for my soul, to free my mind, my heart, and I know. My dancing shoes are red and shine, I wanna boogie all over tonight. And I'm gonna dance this blues away Like the bridge you're gonna let me sway Hold my hips, grip me tight We'll live our dream and I'm in summer night I'm gonna wear that Mexican dress Put some flowers in my hair Silver rings, red lipstick There'll be a party downtown tonight There'll be a party downtown tonight There'll be a party Thank you for listening to ADD Comedy. For Dave Rosowski, I'm Ian Foley.